Well, this week we're going to continue the mini-series that we started a few weeks ago on the life and ministry of Jesus that's going to build up to Easter Sunday and the celebration of Jesus's resurrection. This Sunday, our text is going to be uh, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 29. Remember, beloved, these are the very written words of God. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he didn't want some people to have the distinction of saying they were baptized by him and feeling they were somehow superior uh, than the people who had been baptized by his disciples. So Jesus himself did not baptize. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which is noon. A woman from, from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such a people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever, and may he add his blessing to it. This past week, one of our members 
texted me and said that he had a colleague ask him to do a Bible study at his office. Apparently, this man was feeling stress and anxiety, and so they did the Bible study on Friday afternoon, and apparently it went well. I think this man began to realize that he was trusting in the wrong things. I think this crisis is doing the same thing to a lot of people. I think this crisis is also doing the same thing to us. It is making people realize that trusting in their job security and the stock market and their 401k and their health is ultimately a misplaced trust. And the Samaritan woman in our story learned something very similar when she spoke to Jesus by the well. She learned that she had been trusting in the wrong things. And I think this crisis that we are all experiencing together is being used by God in huge ways to clarify and identify how we are trusting in the wrong things. Okay. So let's set the scene. I have a map provided for you on page three of your worship guide that gives you um, a sense of the area and the geography that our passage has in view. Jesus had been in Jerusalem because of the Passover and the Pharisees had grown very concerned at his, at his rising popularity. He was becoming even more popular than John the Baptist. His ministry was growing more significant than John the Baptist. And that was a growing concern for the Pharisees. So in order to avoid escalation, Jesus traveled north to Galilee, an area that was much more quiet and very familiar to him. In verse 4, John wrote that Jesus, quote, had to pass through Samaria. And he probably meant that um, in at least two ways. Jesus had to pass through Samaria in order to get to Galilee. Samaria was between Jerusalem and Galilee, and so it was the most expedient and direct route. Jesus also had to pass through Samaria in the sense that the Lord had given him a divine appointment. It would have taken Jesus and his disciples a couple days. And when he got to Samaria, it was noon, John indicates. Jesus would have been hot and tired. And so he decided to rest at a place uh, called Jacob's Well. And he sent his disciples into the town to go buy food. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that John indicates that Jesus was weary from the journey. And that should come no, as no surprise because Jesus not only was fully God, but he was fully man. And to me, that's a great encouragement. Don't ever think that Jesus doesn't know what we're going through right now. Jesus experienced all the difficulties, all the setbacks. Um, obviously, he didn't sin, but all the difficulties of life in this fallen world, Jesus experienced. Jesus had the the understanding and was well acquainted with wondering where the next meal was coming from and would he have shelter over his head. Um, Jesus knows very well how to identify with the people that are going through uncertain times like we are. And so he gets to the well 
And he sits there, John says, wearied as he was. And a Samaritan woman walks up to draw water, and Jesus initiated a conversation with her. And he asked, for, for, asked her for a drink, which would have been highly unusual for at least two reasons. First, in verse 27, John points out when they came back at the end of the conversation, Jesus' disciples marveled that he was speaking with a woman. In this culture, in first century uh, Judaism, Jews did not talk to women in public. Uh, many times they wouldn't even talk to their wives. Rabbis certainly wouldn't speak with a woman in public. And second, this woman was a Samaritan. And in verse 9, John wrote that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And, and um, that goes back many, many years. There had been tension between the Jews and the Samaritans for over 700 years. In 722 BC, the Assyrians came in and defeated the northern kingdom and took most of the Jews who were in the northern kingdom off into Samaria, leaving only the poor and impoverished and uneducated in the northern kingdom. Then the Assyrians repopulated the northern kingdom with their own people, from people from a variety of regions over which they had control. Those people that they placed in the northern kingdom kept their pagan religion and added elements of Judaism to it. And they also intermarried with the people of the northern kingdom and the surrounding area. And so the Jews who were taken into captivity later by the Babylonians, when they came back, um, they were, uh, there was great tension between those Jews and the Jews in the northern kingdom who had intermarried with the Assyrians and had incorporated elements of pagan religion um, uh, to Judaism. And so, and so they viewed them as a mixed race of people uh, who had um, a very corrupt religion. And, and, and so the Jews could not stand the Samaritans. They viewed them as the ultimate compromisers, a half-breed with a mixed religion. And so they were offended at their presence. You know, yesterday someone came by the office and said, um, rang the doorbell and uh, indicated that they had a positive diagnosis for the coronavirus. And they indicated that they were feeling very isolated and would I sit with them? So I invited this man um, into the church and, and, and sat by him and um, we talked and at the end of our time together I, I gave him a big hug we even shared a drink because I wanted him to um, to, to realize that I that I that I empathized with him and I wanted to enter in with what he was uh, with what he was going through actually I did not do that but um, Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman would have been far more shocking than me inviting someone into my office who had been a, 
positively diagnosed with the coronavirus. It would have been, it would have been almost unthinkable. We'll look at verses 7 through 10. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Okay, now at this point, the Samaritan woman, she is confused by what Jesus said because what she heard, she heard him claiming that he had something better than the life-giving water that Jacob was offering through this well. And in a sense, she heard him claiming to be greater than Jacob. So this piqued her interest, and she continues the conversation. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, um, the reader knows what his point is, but she doesn't give it. Jesus was using, um, uh, was using living water as, as a metaphor for salvation. In their context, living water would have been um, spring-fed water or, 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 or running water or like a flowing spring. That's how they would have viewed living water. But Jesus was using living water as a metaphor for salvation. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, again, her interest is piqued, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Okay, this woman, she was an unbeliever. Okay, she didn't, she didn't really understand the gospel of the Old Testament. And she pictures unbelievers in the sense that she was lost, but didn't know that she was lost. She didn't understand because she couldn't understand at this point. So Jesus had to help her understand. He had to help clarify for her. Okay? He had to help clarify things for her. And he did so in, in, in a way that was rather um, unorthodox uh, and direct. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go. Call your husband and come here. Now, that seems like a non sequitur. It seems like it didn't follow from the dialogue that they had been having. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Again, it seems like a strange and abrupt change of subject, but it wasn't 
at all. Jesus was obviously doing something intentional here. By asking these questions and by bringing this sinful pattern to the surface, Jesus exposed how this woman had been trusting in the wrong things. That's why he asked her to bring her husband. Look at verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. That's an understatement. Verse 25, she said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Can you imagine the goosebumps that she would have felt when he said, I who speak to you am he. An incredible moment. Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Friends, this situation, this unprecedented situation that has the potential of, of changing the way that we, um, many of the ways that we operate, um, there is a great blessing here in that this situation is doing for us what Jesus did for her. This situation is exposing in us how much we trust in the wrong things, okay? It, of course we should be um, doing the best to, um, to use our gifts and to, uh, to, to, to wisely and carefully steward our resources so that we can um, have a roof over our head and appropriate amount of savings in the bank so that we can care for ourselves and care for our families. But what ends up happening over time um, is that we begin to trust in those things more than we trust in Jesus. Um, the woman, the Samaritan woman, had been trusting in relationships more than she had trusted in God. And by asking her to bring her husband, Jesus was exposing that misplaced trust. And Jesus is using circumstances like we're all in now together to expose in us the things that we have wrongly placed our trust in. I encourage your heart and mine not to put your hope in a vaccine or a rebounding stock market. Those things um, can be prayed for and should be prayed for, but those things are going to pass away. We can and pray for the, we, we, we can and should pray for those things, but it may not come back anytime soon, and it may not come back at all. And so in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of our trials, Jesus is using this to remind us that our trust needs to be in him, in his blood, in his righteousness, in his care, 
and in his providence in our lives. The Samaritan woman, she learned that day where true life is found and she trusted in Jesus. And I pray, I pray, my friends, that we do the same. Amen and amen.